Welcome to a brand new episode. Mike Driscoll, The Python Show. Hello and welcome to The Python Show. I'm your host, Mike Driscoll, and today I have the honor of having Adam Hopkins on the show. Adam uh, works on the SANIC uh, web framework, which is a Python web framework, and he's going to tell us a little bit about that and some of his writing endeavors as well. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you. Um, I like to ask my guests just to tell us a little bit about themselves and maybe give us a little bit of background on your journey into programming. So if you could do uh, that. Sure, absolutely. My, my journey into programming is actually probably probably a little bit different than some of the other people you've had on the show. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually, uh, software engineering is actually a second career for me. Um, so I have been, you know, been involved in, uh, building web applications, uh, software development for, I don't know, 25, 25 years or so at this point. Uh, but Mm -hmm. for most of that, most of that, to be honest, it was a lot of hobby work and I was just kind of doing sub side projects for myself. Um, uh, I graduated from, I graduated from school um from university in 2004 uh, i went to law school uh, graduated law school um, and became an attorney i practiced law for a few years cool. um, um and so sort of during that whole time period i never really gave up on like i said i was always doing some side projects here and there mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't really until um 2014 uh, my wife and i moved uh, from the U.S., I, 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 we lived in Boston at the time. We moved from the U.S. to Israel, okay. Um, and sort of in that time frame uh, is when I when I kind of took my hobby. And you know, I, I tell people this all the time that when when I talk about it is I consider myself to be very um, very lucky, right? You, to to mm-hmm. be have been able to take what used to be just a hobby and make it a career now. So so that's what I do. Um, since 2014, like I said, um, Mm -hmm. I currently am a vice president of software engineering for a company called packet fabric, um, where I oversee a number of software development teams, uh, building, uh, not just in Python, but mainly Python, but some other languages as well. Um, it's a globally distributed team. So I'm constantly working with people across the globe. Um, nice. And then sort of the people probably most know me for in the Python world, um, like you said, is the SANIC project uh, where I, you know, dedicate a lot of my open source time to, to maintaining that project. Um, and I'm involved in some other, some other uh, open source projects as well, but that's definitely the main one. That's cool. That's something that I, I aspire to doing some days contributing to, a uh, open source project in a meaningful way. I, I guess I, I don't consider writing docs super meaningful, even though I like doing it and I do, I have contributed a little bit. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. It definitely is. Uh, and I definitely agree with you on the whole writing documentation bit. I mean, maybe that's still the, the lawyer part kind of hanging out inside of me, but I, I definitely <laughs> do enjoy writing, writing that stuff. I like writing documentation. It's kind of a, my thing, but I'm like I, I also want to solve some of the problems in my favorite packages, and I just haven't haven't done it yet. 
So, <laughs> well, that's always it's always sort of one of the problems, right? Is 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 you got so many different balls that you're juggling. You know, which which one mm-hmm. are you going to throw up in the air next? Yeah, something that as one of these days, I'm going to I'm just going to do it. I'm going to jump in and try to contribute and see if I get rejected or not. <laughs> so what if you do, right? You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of, you know, I, um, you know, I definitely do a lot of, uh, mentorship, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things hundred percent, I, I tell anybody that's sort of getting started in, in this as a career, um, you know, great, right. I'm a completely self-taught developer. I never went to school for, for, for this. I don't have a CS background or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even for those people that do, I, the number one thing, in my opinion, that you can really do to 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 make yourself marketable mm-hmm. um, is work on open source. You know, see what it's like to work with, you know, with with a large team. See what it's like to you know to um, you know go sort of beyond building something for yourself. So I think open yeah. source is 100%. You know, not only um, a great career move because uh, mm-hmm. it really helps you there. But you know, I also sort of, I also sort of feel like any developer, um, you know, we we kind of owe so much to open source, right? I mean, everything that yeah. we, <laughs> everything that we build with has some some bit of open source in it somewhere in it. So I I, I kind of almost feel like a little bit of a social obligation myself to, uh, <laughs> and that's part of part of the reason why why I got into it. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I mean, I owe my career to Python in a lot of ways because that's that's what I do full time, pretty much all the time. And, right, and, and and what you do is absolutely valuable as well. Putting con- putting content out there. I mean, that's 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 huge, huge for everybody. Yeah, I just feel you know, as a, as a content creator, you feel like this is this is cool content. But when you talk to someone who's like created the actual core. I don't know. This feels very different. You're like, man, I wish I could do that. <laughs> I know it's different. I know it's not the same thing, but. Well, I know I could definitely not do what, what, what you do. I've, I've in several times over my career, I thought to myself, yeah, it'd be great. I should put up a blog and I'll write all this stuff and maybe I'll put out some YouTube videos and I'll teach it. And, and I can't do it. I'm just, <laughs> this is a blog. My... The blog is a lot easier than the YouTube videos, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, I've only got I've only got one blog on my website, so I'm not doing so great there. <laughs> uh, all right, that's I got to focus. So, what what are your uh, favorite Python packages or modules besides Sanic? Besides Sanic, okay, so that that's going to have to dig a little bit. Okay, so <laughs> so there there actually is one project that I definitely want to call out that um, I've been playing around with uh, the last several months. That's been super fun, okay. um, and it's called a uh, message spec, MSG SPEC, hmm. and it's a um, it's a you know it's a modeling library you know similar to um, you know you know Pydantic or Adders or Marshmallow something mm-hmm. like that, um, but it's a super fun little library to work with, and 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 hmm. and I really like. It's a very, it's a very fresh approach, approach um, to to the field. Um, the whole thing is written in C, so it's it's written. Okay. You know, it runs very runs very quick. Um, huh. But what I kind of really like about it 
is it bundles in the whole um, uh, you know, serialization and deserialization aspect to it as well. So hmm. whereas whereas Pydantic um, does validation and it, it, and that's sort of its core, right? Is is mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're sticking data into the model and and you get the you know the validation errors. With method spec, it really only is doing that when you're deserializing data. So if you've got a you know big hmm. JSON document and you want to bring that into into uh, to Python, it'll do the the validation there. But if you're just generating mm -hmm. document you know objects, it it works sort of like data classes. And one of the things for me that um, I really like that for is when I'm pulling data out of um, like a database, for example, right? So I've got a very strictly, you know, type schema inside of my, um, you know, Postgres database or whatever. You know, I want that data to come out exactly as it is, however it's in the database. And so I don't necessarily want Pydantic to be, um, you know, throwing up validation errors at that point. So, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a slightly different approach. And um, I find it to be very... Um, um, super approachable, um, and yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun to work with. It's sort of out of the box, you know, it um, handles Toml really well. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely, I, definitely on my my highlights right now. I don't suppose that's related at all to protocol buffers, is it? Um, that's a good question. I I don't remember if they support that one or not. Okay. Um, when you started talking about serialization and deserialization, it reminded me that I'd been I'd been messing with protocol buffers. And that reminds so I was like, huh. Out of the box, uh, I'm not, I don't remember out of the box if it has it or not. But okay. um, I definitely does have a pretty easy API to work with. Uh, so I imagine it wouldn't be that hard to build on top of it. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah, it's. Um, Definitely check it out. Yeah, I'll I'll put it on my to do list with the hundred other modules I want to try. <laughs> yeah, we've all got those lists. Yeah. So. Or or just open tabs in a browser somewhere. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, since we've been talking about Sanic and not really actually getting into the meat of it, uh, how did you decide to work on that project? So that's a good question. So. You know, I guess I kind of do need to back up a little bit in my history because I kind of glossed over this part a little bit. Okay. Um, so, like I said, I was always kind of doing stuff completely on the side. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, you know, consider myself a hobbyist. Um, I, uh, for a long period of time, you know, to be quite honest with you, I kind of fell into that, um, you know, that uh, that trap of feeling a little bit like a, like a fraud, uh, you know, sort of like, you know, like I wasn't, uh, wasn't a real developer, right. Cause I didn't have a CS degree. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, one of the things that I've always really enjoyed doing is kind of having some side projects to just experiment with new technologies, um, new, new packages, new libraries, you know, so, so I'm trying to teach myself something new. So I, Right, I was I was trying to 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 learn about um, you know this fancy new thing in Python called async IO. 
Um, and mm -hmm. so to do that, um, you know, I was trying to build a little web application and I had kind of stumbled upon Sanic. And, and Sanic started in in 2016, I believe. And it was sort of was was initially just meant to be kind of like a proof of concept with the idea of can we make something like Flask compatible with async IO? Obviously the okay. answer is yes, right? There's a whole bunch of frameworks now that kind of you know, follow that same kind of pattern of creating decorators and and whatnot. And 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 but but at the time this was before ASGI. Um so there's no there was no um async capable Python uh servers. Yeah. Um so Sanic kind of was was there. It was kind of um, you know there's a number of people that were working on it but it had started to kind of falter, right? Because it wasn't, it wasn't, at least from my perspective, it wasn't really set up to be a kind of uh, big project for a whole lot of people to use in production. It was, it was, it was a proof of concept, really. Okay. Um, so the project was kind of faltering a little bit, um, and uh, I had. Uh, had been using it and and was talking with a few other people um, and I had actually started started out by putting out a package because uh, there was no authentication package so I wrote this little authentication tool and it was just for myself right I had no intention of of, of doing anything with it Mm -hmm. um, I put it up on GitHub and people started to use it. And right. And so, like I said, like I didn't mm -hmm. really consider myself, you know, an open source uh, developer. I didn't, you, you know, consider myself, a, you know, I was working as a professional developer at the time, but yeah. um, I didn't really feel like I had, um, you know, the knowledge to be able to put something together. Someone else was going to use, but here people mm -hmm. are using this package. So I had, some contact with other people in the community. And when we realized that the project was kind of dying, we kind of talked amongst ourselves and said, you know, maybe we should, you know, take this together and, and, and run with it. Maybe we'll just go build something new. Yeah. Uh, so we kicked that idea around for a little bit. And then I, I had finally gotten a hold of the guy who had originally written the package um, who had kind of disappeared for, for a little while. And mm -hmm. he just kind of gave me the whole thing and said, here, here you go. You're the keys. You can go run with it. <laughs> um, so we created a community organization, uh, mm -hmm. got a whole bunch of people that were interested in working on it. Uh, you know, put some guidelines around it, made a set of priorities, um, you know, regular release cadence, um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, deprecation policies, all the kinds of things that sort of make it a palatable project for for a a, a company to want to use in you know a real life okay. production ready application. So we've spent a lot of time trying to make it uh, production production worthy. Mm -hmm. A little bit over time, you know, you know, more and more people are using it. It's it's, uh, it's catching on more. And people are starting to ask me questions, and I kind of realize, like, I actually have some information here and some expertise here that, you know, people are looking to me, you know, to kind of share my knowledge. And, I, and you know, it kind of, you know, 
being part of the open source world kind of helped me get over that uh, imposter syndrome the, of feeling yeah. like, like I what didn't have anything valuable to share. And I realized that, yeah, I do. I, I can, I can share my opinions. Uh, I can learn from people. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but uh, yeah, little by little, we just, we just kept at it and, you know, we've got a very nice community, um, you know, in our little corner of the web. And yeah. it's been uh, at this point, we've been working on it now for what, five, six years, something like that. That's really cool. I think there's always room for another web framework, even if, there was a, a lot of them. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I, you know, people people definitely do ask me um, that all the time. They say like, you know, why should I use this over that? And, and I, I hate that question, right? Because <laughs> because yeah. that question sort of at its core, you know, has this um, assumption that all these different Python frameworks are in competition with each other, but there's no competition. Like everybody's doing this Mm -hmm. um, uh, because they're interested in it. They want to help out the community. They've got some, some niche, you know, something different to add to, to the mix and, and, and they're working on it. And that's great. I think that's, you know, the more, the more that we have, I think the better, Um, you know, and not all, not all frameworks, um, you know, are the same, you know, everybody's got, you know, different, different use cases that they're trying to hit. Mm-hmm. Not, not all developers like to work in the same patterns. Um, so th- there's definitely room for more. Yeah. And I, I think it kind of challenges you each, each, each group to try to improve. They'll see some, they'll see a neat feature in Sanic and put it in Django. Yep. hundred percent. Vice versa. hundred percent. Or, you know, um, a lot of times, people will come and say, well, how come you don't have X, Y, Z in Sanic? And I say, that's great. But, you know, our sort of, you know, you know, ethos is, you know, we want to be really unopinionated. We don't Mm -hmm. want to, we want to be, you know, a set of tools. Like here's a, here's a, here's a toolbox. Go build what you want to go build. You know, we're going to enable this for you. We're going to give you, you know, um, you know, an API that you can work off of, Mm-hmm. We're going to give you, you know, we've got a, we've got a pretty active discord server, you know, come to our discord where, you know, we'll talk to you, help you out. Um, you know, definitely invite people to, you know, to come there whenever they've got questions. Um, we don't want to say, this is how you have to build your application. We don't want to say this is, yeah. this is the way you need to structure and this is the way it should be done because th- there's room for everything. Yeah. But, but, the flip side, I totally understand, you know, the, the Django, uh, batteries included mentality. I mean, I spent, I spent, I don't know, 15 years or so, you know, playing around with, with Django and building, Mm -hmm. uh, building stuff with Django. So I totally get that. Um, you know, but, but at this point in this time in my career, that's, that's not for me. That's not my debt. That's not my development pattern anymore. Yeah. So would you say Sanic is closer to like Flask than Django then? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it was, it definitely was originally intended to be, um, sort of Flask like, you know, with the okay. idea of, can we make Flask async IO in the answer obviously is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, now over time packages 
like Quart decided to say we're going to make Flask async IO, and they stuck very closely to the Flask API. And mm-hmm. as new stuff got added to Flask, they would add new stuff to Quart, and, and they and uh, hmm. and since um, you know that project, you know they've kind of under the same umbrella now, so so they are uh, very close together. But um, you know we we kind of went a different approach with Sanic is when we were kind of in those that early phase, and this I'm talking the 2018, 2019, when we were trying mm-hmm. to figure out how do we turn this into a community organization, we, 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 we thought about what is it that we're actually trying to build? And one of the questions was, are we just trying to build Flask or are we trying to build something different? And, and mm-hmm. we realized that the thing that was kind of made, you know, Sanic a little bit unique at the time um, was uh, its performance. So we said, okay, you know, okay. A- API compatibility is not the important thing. What we want to focus on is is creating something that's highly performant mm-hmm. um, and creating something that um, uh, is really, um, you know, is really easy to kind of get up and started with something in development, mm-hmm. but ship it off. Right, ship it off to production and make it really easy to get something into production. So that's kind of where the, hmm. um, you know, the build fast, run fast. That's the Sanic motto comes from. Is that you know okay. we want to, you know, enable you to to build something really quickly, um, run fast, obviously performance, but also we mean you know push it out there, um, and and that's sort of part of the reason why. Hmm. We've always kept the web server tightly coupled inside of the the framework. Um, is is allows the because uh, right because you know a, a lot of these web frameworks you have to bring a separate web server to actually run the application, mm-hmm. right? Um, so with with Django you need to use you know Whiskey server, um, um, you know with uh, uh, with Court, uh, you know, you need to use something like uh, Hypercorn or something like that that that's capable okay. of handling the ASGI. Um, so, Sanic doesn't require that. Um, you know, it comes with its own web server, and and part of that is that it allows us to to really tune the web server um, to running Sanic applications. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, you know, kind of one of the things that um, we've really worked on over the last couple of years um, is really trying to make that whole conversion from development environment to production environment very, very seamless. Mm-hmm. And the idea there is that, you know, the code that you're running uh, your development environment on is uh, if you want to, you know, put it into production mode, you can get there very quickly. And it's going to run... You know, um, you know, multi-processing with with multiple workers. Um, yeah. Um, you know, the, the same way the same way that you might need to run it in production, you're you're running it on your machine. Okay. Hmm. I don't know if you've heard of Robin or not. I don't. I don't. All right. But that's sounds I, like they're trying to do something kind of like that with their at least the the speed first. Anyway, I don't know if they have a web server or not that's built in. Uh, yeah, I am aware of it. I have seen it. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't, I haven't actually used it. Um, okay. that's totally fine. I, that just came to mind cause you mentioned the speed part and I know that's what Robin is emphasizing too. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, part of part of part part of the so there's a couple different things that Sanic really focuses on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously, out of the box, it ships with UV Loop, so UV Loop is uh, definitely a fast async IO implementation. Yeah. Um, but we try to do a, a couple of things um, uh, to, to really kind of optimize the application at startup time. So every time you okay. start a SANIC application, um, it it does a couple of things. Number one, it looks through all of your handlers to try to see, um, you know, what kinds of things it should expect. Um, and there are different different parts of the code that we've kind of identified um, where we can pull whole whole blocks of check-in. So instead of doing like an if statement to just skip a whole block of code, we just mm-hmm. Actually, go in there and rip that code out of there and recompile the whole the whole function uh, and hmm. inject it back into the source code. So Sanic is actually rewriting parts of itself um, at startup. Hmm. Um, Interesting. And and part of the reason there, right, is that we can we can shave off uh, you know shave off time here and there. Mm-hmm. The other thing that it does, um, and we actually spent a lot of time trying to, you know, one of the slowest parts of a web framework is actually handling the routing, right? So you've got okay. a, you know, an HTTP message comes in and you've got a string that, that represents some path and you need to figure out what, you know, what handler you're going to hook that up to, what, what, what part of the application mm-hmm. is actually going to respond to this, um, this request. So, um, you know, there's a couple of different strategies, and what it original, what Sanic originally did, um, which a lot of a lot of uh, packages will do, is it just creates these big regular expressions, and it tries to, mm-hmm. you know, tries to find the right match. Um, but it's not always the most performant. So we spend a lot of time looking to see, okay, well, you know, maybe we can do, you know, regular expression matching um, inside of. Um, you know, C library. So we we built something um, using Cython to try to see if we could we could speed up routing. Um, we found um, there was a there was another library called um, oh I can't remember what it was hyper something I can't remember what it was called but okay. um, super fast and and we tried. We spent a lot of time trying to figure out what's the best way to, to, to speed this up. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, what we realized um, was uh, Falcon. Are you familiar with Falcon? I've heard of it. So Falcon is, it's a long time. It's a framework that's been around for, for, for a very long time. But they had this really kind of cool approach where they build up a... Um, like a function at runtime um, to mm-hmm. to do the routing, and so so we kind of borrowed the same same idea. Um, and basically, what it does is it looks through and it says, okay, here's all the different routes that I need to create, mm-hmm. and it looks at each different segment of a pa- of the path. So you know, every little bit in between the slashes, and it basically just creates this giant if else block <laughs> i mean okay. if, if you if you if you start up sanic you can actually you can actually get it to you know to print out um 
the the routing function and actually see exactly how it's going to work. Um, hmm. But it's it's this you know it's complete Python code. You know it's nothing in C mm -hmm. or anything like that. But it's this auto generated function that is basically just running a whole bunch of if else statements. Um, and we realized by doing that, it's by far the fastest method for doing routing in Python. Um, hmm. um, you know, maybe cool. someone's got a better idea. Maybe someone else can do it faster. And if they can, great. Um, but for us, it's worked really well and it's been very powerful for the last couple of years. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I think, I think Robin's claim to fame is that it uses a Rust backend, but I don't know if that does routing or not. So I can't, I can't say. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so if they're running Rust, then they probably got their own web server then and that, that it's running. And then I'm sure they're doing their own routing probably there too. Yeah, I mean, if it's designed that way, then I don't know. You know, I haven't played with it. I can't say. So <laughs> yeah, it's just an interesting approach. So it's fun to talk about the different ways different frameworks work. 100%. 100%. At least for those of us that like this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are there any other uh, web frameworks that you think are like really cool right now that are just different or doing things differently? Um, you know, I I mean, I get, I keep in touch with with some different people from from different uh, places. Um, you okay. know, like the Starlet Starlet uh, guys. Mm -hmm. um, I, so I was in um, I was out at uh, uh, PyCon US uh, last spring. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was actually kind of cool. There is, you know, they, they have those, um, you know, those hallway sessions and whatnot. Yeah. And someone threw one together for, for web frameworks. And so, you know, when I went to mm -hmm. there and it ended up, ended up being sort of, um, you know, group of, of, uh, a bunch of developers from a bunch of different web frameworks that just kind of sat around and were kind of mm -hmm. sharing ideas and talking about different problems that they were facing, uh, and you know, it was kind of kind of a really nice exper experience. Um, hmm. um, That's but, cool. Uh, yeah, it was great. You know, got to you know talk with um, 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 uh, a couple guys from from you know that work on Starlet and work on Fast API. Mm -hmm. um, you know, work on on Flask, on on uh, Twisted, on. Um, oh wow. You know, you know, is there, there was there was some, uh, some some good people in the room. Yeah, it's, it sounds like you had a good variety there. Absolutely, hundred uh, percent. So before we started recording, we were talking about uh, book writing. You want to tell us a little bit about the different stuff you've been working on in that regard? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, so, um, I was it last? I guess it was probably about a year, year and a half ago or so, I released mm -hmm. a, a book on Sanic. Um, and that was kind of like a, you know, it was, it was, it was a fun project, right? It was, mm -hmm. um, I'd spent, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe six to eight months or so working on this book. Um, and, um, you know, I, 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 I guess, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm also a lawyer by trade, right? So, so, mm -hmm. so I've, writing is not something that, w that was, you know, new to me. I definitely did a lot of writing. I mean, if you, if you, yeah. if you ask my, my wife, she, she, she'll say that I, I majored in, in paper writing in college because I used to do a lot of writing in, in school and stuff. <laughs> um, and, you know, so, 
so so I was working on this uh, this this book project, and um, you know, it was, it was sort of like a it was a nice little um, kind of break up to my daily routine, you know, working mm-hmm. on this. And one of the things that I also kind of really enjoyed about it is it gave me a completely different experience to using Sanic, right? Because I'm used to, you know, uh, I say, okay, here's our project roadmap. These are the things that I really like to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I'm using it, I say, oh, it'd be really cool if I if we had this feature, we had that feature, let's add it to the roadmap. Um, people ask questions, you know, that's kind of how things kind of develop. But when I was working on the book, I used, I used it in a very different, you know, capacity, right? Cause I'm, I need to now put myself into the shoes of somebody who's coming to Sanic for the first time, or maybe mm-hmm. they're coming to web development in the first time. Like they've never, like they've got a very little experience with it. So, yeah. um, it, it gave me a, a, a different lens and during that, you know, eight month time period or so that I was working on it. Um, it gave me so many great ideas th- to add into, add into, um, um, add into the framework, mm-hmm. um, you know, working on the book, you know, where I, I came up with another little idea on how to, to build a database access layer. And so when I, mm-hmm. when I, so this really cool pattern, you can get all this, co- all the code is, is available on GitHub. Yeah. Um, but I ended up taking taking the, the the database access layer that I built in there, um, and I released it as its own project, just because I kind of was like a fun little fun little mm-hmm. package. Um, it's I call it um, um, it's called MIME M A Y I M. It's sort of like a little bit of a play on words. It means uh, it means uh, water in Hebrew, and so like the idea behind it, it's sort of like this data database hydration layer. So hmm. it's sort of like a, it's, it's, it's not an ORM, but it's like an ORM. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so oh. the, 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 the difference is it doesn't write any SQL queries for you. Okay. Right? So, so you, you provide it with SQL queries um, and it sort of runs those for you under the hood. And then a, and then it takes the contents back and it, hydrates them into into uh to your models uh hmm. you know if you want to use data classes or message spec or pedantic you know adders yeah. any of those it, it, it sort of uh turns your your database into those um, hmm. so that's another little side project of mine that's neat and and 100 that came completely from from working on the book uh you know just having a different you know putting on a different uh you know, different hat, trying to look at the project and use the project mm-hmm. in a different way and, and sort of seeing, uh, you know, kind of what's what's missing out there. Or what, how would you write the the book writing experience? Is it something you, you enjoyed? It was kind of a drag, too much pressure? <laughs> um, I never, not really. I mean, I didn't really think it was too, too much pressure. It was... It was sort of a therapeutic process, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I got into this kind of this nice little routine. You know, like I said, I work on um, my work is with a with a global team. I work with people all over mm-hmm. the world, but primarily, um, my team, my company uses um, California hours. 
So, okay. so that means my workday, I have a lot of meeting time and whatnot in the evenings and my in mornings and, and during the day is kind of like my own, you know, working time. So it kind of mm-hmm. got into this little, nice little pattern where I'd, where I'd wake up in the morning and I'd take, you know, an hour and a half or two hours and I would just kind of write for a little bit. And it kind of got my, um, you know, creativity flowing and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I could just jump into whatever project I was working on at work, and I was already primed and ready to go with whatever, whatever I needed to tackle for the day. So, it it, it really That's was cool. a nice, um, it was a nice pattern for me. Um, definitely, definitely looking for for, uh, you know, I've got another idea for for another book that I may start working on soon. So, mm-hmm. so we'll see. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll let you know how that goes, but. Uh, Sure. Definitely something I would I would 100% love to get back to doing at some point. Well, that's that's a refreshing take because some people I don't know they they seem to get the the pressure like really really bugs them you know the 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 publisher has their thumb on you or yeah or sometimes sometimes you just some people just like it like I I like writing but I don't like working with a publisher so I try not to I try not to let stuff like that get to me too much yeah that's sort of sort of like a you know my my take on life is it's i try to you know control the things that i can control Mm -hmm. um um, and you know i mean they they obviously have an interest in my book being successful you know i want my book to be successful obviously um so you know as long as you're I, from my experience, right? I'm sure somebody will tell me they had a completely different experience, but from my experience, you know, <laughs> as long as I'm, you know, in com- good communication with them throughout the process, mm-hmm. um, you know, working back and forth, uh, I mean, overall, I thought it was very positive. We're good. It was, it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we're definitely happy with, with the end outcome. One of the things that I really, was really sort of important to me um, was that, you know, I'm taking was really I. I didn't want like the book definitely 100% centers around um, around Sanic, right? Because that was sort of my, mm-hmm. my my expertise, and that was really what what the publisher was looking for. Is they wanted a book yeah. on this topic, um, but I really tried to keep the book much more generic in terms of trying to help people realize that they need to kind of find their own voice and how they can go about building. You know, building their own career, building their own web applications with their own voice, um, mm-hmm. and so part of that is, you know, I definitely want to make sure that you know the code is all available, and so the last chapter of the book focuses on building a real-world live application that you can go and you can publish and you could you put out there, um, yeah. and so part of what I did was actually put that code out there and you can go and you can interact with, you can see the exact code and see how it's running. You can interact with the API directly either in the browser or, uh, you know, in, in your terminal, if you want, however you want to access, you know, to your API mm-hmm. uh, with Postman or whatever. Um, so that, I, I thought that was kind of like a fun little, fun little project. And, um, you yeah. know, it's been pretty, pretty well received. So That's if I awesome. ever you you know you know get back to back to it again, I definitely want to do something similar. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of valuable to kind of having that hands-on approach. Yep, I agree. So you know, I I see in the news a lot that uh, AI can write a web page for you and all that good stuff. Uh, do you think you think the AI overlords are coming to take our web development away or? 
Uh, I don't know that I would trust it to <laughs> create a web page, per se. Um, um, but um, I think when at, at very first, I was probably very. I think a lot of people kind of had my uh, a similar opinion that I did of of a little bit of skepticism, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of stayed away from it for for a little while. Um, but then, you know, I thought to myself, you know, this is obviously a huge shift in Mm -hmm. in development and in in society, right? There's going to be the, the impacts are far and wide. Um, and to sort of be successful, you need to learn about this new technology so you can embrace it. So I started to play Mm -hmm. around with, you know, chat GPT and copilot and all that. And I realized that. 100%. 100%. There's absolutely a great use case for it. Mm-hmm. Um, will it create you a good application? Absolutely not. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, will that change? Maybe, but I, honestly, I don't know that it ever will because some of the stuff that you really need to get to, um, um, I don't know that AI is really going to ever be capable of creating a full application with all the use cases right to create a sort of hello world that you can put up there and you know find something simple 100 percent um but really you know um i think the value comes from from making yourself faster and you know over the last six months however long it's been i don't even remember um you know there's there's 100 percent is value in that you know Whereas, you know, there are certain things that I know that I would always need to go and find somewhere, you know, some other part of a project to copy and paste code or I have to go look it up somewhere. You don't need to do that anymore. I know that I can start typing something and it'll give me the rest of what I need. And then I'll probably need to go and delete half of it and do something different. But, you know, it gives me, you know, it gives me a lot of what I need. So. It does. Uh, will it replace? Uh, I don't. I don't have a magic crystal ball to say yes or no. I kind of <laughs> doubt it, but yeah, you know, you never know. Yeah. Is is <laughs> is it helpful? Hundred percent. If if yeah. if if you're if you're not using one of these tools, um, you're you're doing yourself a dis- disfavor. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for uh, giving me your opinion on that. I was <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I keep seeing these guys on on social media. They're like, "Well, the web developers are going to go go extinct. Look what we, look what I just did with ChatGPT or Thano or you know whatever this product is." And I'm like, "Yeah, right. You got a web page. Does it actually work if you know a thousand people hit it at the same time?" Right, and and that, exactly, and that's and that's the thing is there's a big difference between kind of getting that hello world application up there mm-hmm. and actually building um you know production ready code and, and and there's a lot of things that go into making something you know maintainable um over time you know you know yeah. no code that gets published out there you you know you, you you're gonna constantly going to be changing it right mm-hmm. um, um you know to make something scalable so that you can um you know so that can ha- deal with you know, more traffic, it can deal with more users, it can deal with, um, you know, different use cases, um, you know, all these different types of patterns. Um, you're not really, I don't know that you're really going to get that from AI, at least not now. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, cool. You never know. Yeah. And you know what? If if they do, great. I, I I'd welcome that. I mean, I think it's I think, you know, it'd be um, you know, it, it'll definitely be a good thing, right? Because it just means that there's going to be something else for us to go work on instead. That's very true. And focus my my work on the back end instead of the front end, which is where I like <laughs> it anyway. Hundred <laughs> percent. I spent I spent a number a number of years, you know, fighting with JavaScript, right? Just because because he kind of had to, you know, back in the day. You know, I'm talking mm-hmm. to you before before jQuery days. I mean, you didn't really, you know, JavaScript, you know, was what it was, and so I kind of built my built my my uh, my attitude on it. But you always kind of you, you need JavaScript if you're going to do anything on the front end. Yeah. Um. Um. But you know, if I can use AI to to build that part, so I don't have to touch it anymore, and I can, great. Mm-hmm. Yep. Happy. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we reached the end of my question, so I just want to thank you so much for being a part of my show. Well, thank you for having me. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. All right. Well, we're going to sign off now and come back and listen to um, the show next week. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Mike Driscoll, The Python Show.